Welcome to the Building PA Podcast, presented by PJ Dick. Here are your co-hosts, Chris Martin and John O'Brien. Hello, and welcome to the Building PA Podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, John O'Brien, from the Keystone Contractors Association, and I am coming to you live from the Quandle Studio. Quandle provides uh, excellent services, so check them out. Building services, check them out, quandle.com for all your construction needs and services. And on the Western part of the state, we have uh, my fellow co-host, Chris Martin, with us as well as always. So Chris, what's going on? Hey, John, uh, it's good to see you. And uh, I, I uh, hopefully we'll make it through this thunderstorm that's going on outside here. Uh, but uh, welcome to everyone to this episode. And uh, as John mentioned, I'm Chris Martin. I am president of Atlas Marketing and we tell stories for people who build things, and I am coming to you from the downtown Sewickley Stalwart Insurance Studio. And uh, as you've heard me say before, and I'll say it again, Stalwart's a health benefits and workers' compensation consultancy, and they focus on working capital through stronger management of a company's insurance spend. So check them out at stalwartinsurance.com, and thank you for that. And uh, John, I, I think we've got uh, a really good, solid uh, episode here. Great story would, to tell from a legislative would, standpoint, right? I would agree. I would agree. You know, this day and age with uh, everything that's happening in D.C., you know, with the trillion dollars bill that's coming and you got all the issues in Harrisburg with regulations and building codes and blah, blah, blah. All the issues in D.C. and Harrisburg are happening all the time. Plus, you factor in this day and age where everyone has an opinion and everyone is right and everyone knows what their legislator should be doing and should not be doing. So I thought, well, let's take a step back. You know, let's let's have uh, an expert who, who's dealing with the legislatures. Let's have uh, an expert on to talk about some of the do's and don'ts if you're going to interact with your with your uh, elected officials. So I'm honored to uh, have on someone I uh, look up to, someone of a mentor to me, but helped me over the years. I've known him for 15 years, maybe he'll correct me, closer to 20 maybe. John Warner from uh, Warner and Associates. Welcome, John. Thank you. Good to be on the uh, podcast. Welcome, John. Thanks for joining us. Happy to be it's here. Getting, yeah, it's getting close to 20 years, I believe. Well, you know, I'm at the point in my life where I try to stop counting that sort of thing. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, John and I have uh, known each other a long time. Once upon a time, I actually held the same position that John holds now for the General Contractors Association of Pennsylvania. So we have a shared history in that respect as well. Absolutely. So I'm every day trying to fill those shoes. So I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing great. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but yeah, I've gotten to know you. First off, it was uh, in, in the Pittsburgh area where you worked with the CL, uh, CLC, the Construction Legislative Council. Right. And it was a organization of that fluctuates anywhere between like 10 to 15 or so construction-related uh, associations. And ever since then, in, in your delivery, not only do you talk about the issues and give people an update on what's going on, but you also kind of provide advice, you know, hey, if you're, if by chance you're going to weigh in on this issue, X, you know, so, so, I, you know, when it came time to line up some guests, I thought, you know, we, this is probably a good topic. A lot of construction firms are talking to legislators more and more. 
So I thought it would be an ideal time to have you on. So thanks for accepting. Um, why don't we get started? And who is John? Why don't you give us a little history on yeah, yourself? Yeah, happy to. I was just about to, to mention that. By the way, I'm, I'm coming from my uh, office at my house. Uh, it, uh, I do not have it sponsored, but you guys gave me an idea this morning. I think I should start trolling for a, a home office sponsor. It sounds like it might be quite lucrative. Um, <laughs> I think we've just stumbled onto something great for the as an outcome of the podcast, right? Yes. Might be able to get one for my my uh, office office downtown in Harrisburg as well. Uh, I'm I'm John Warner, uh, as uh, John has already uh, previously mentioned. I'm president of Warner Associates. Uh, the firm is a government relations and association management company. Uh, I started it way back when in 1985, um, uh, and. And I think the, the major focus for the program today really is uh, uh, my role as a lobbyist, been a registered lobbyist in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania since 1982. So it's been kind of a long run. Um, and during that time, we have represented many, many different clients, uh, different types of clients, everything from uh, associations, corporations, uh, public interest groups, uh, labor unions, uh, really covered the whole gamut. But personally, I have always had a concentration in uh, design and construction. Um, my first job out of college was with the Pennsylvania Society of Professional Engineers. I still represent them to today. Uh, and, you know, as I mentioned, I, I work for uh, GCAP, the general contractors, uh, just about every type of construction organization you can think of. Uh, I've, I've done work for over the years, uh, mechanical, sheet metal, air conditioning, electrical, elevator, plumbing, right down the line, um, as well as some other design professional groups like landscape architects, land surveyors, planning, that kind of stuff. So it's, it's given me uh, a really great opportunity to, to get to know the industry, which I think the average person doesn't uh, think about a whole lot as being as big and influential as it is, but folks on the Hill do know that uh, construction has a, a loud voice and when you're dealing with uh, policymakers, they definitely listen to it. So nice. the background is, you know, I've been in business a long time uh, and, and know the issues pretty well. Uh, do you want me to talk a little bit about uh, do's and don'ts with uh, legislators or you have other questions? Um, yeah, why don't we start with some of the do's, like when you sit down with, if you have a lobbying day on the Hill and some of your clients come to town. Yeah, and, it, and it's important to be prepared. Um, you mentioned, you know, come to town, the, the days on the Hill, and I, I think uh, you probably had members who've done it both in D.C. and in uh, Harrisburg. Uh, it's always uh, important to prepare. Uh, I know when we've organized them, we usually start it where before we let people out on the Hill to meet, meet with their legislators and, and make the appointments. Uh, we, uh, we give them background pieces of information, uh, usually one pagers uh, in terms of the background on an issue where the bill is or, or whatever maybe it's a regulation and then of course you know how to handle yourself with the legislators and it's always you know just basic uh common sense be polite be professional um you know you should be prepared you, you want to give them those leave behind pieces in case they forget to say something but most of all it's important that they're there and you try to get them to meet with their representative or their senator because that means a whole lot more to the legislators and, and understanding what they're interested in is important. They're interested in helping their constituents. So uh, it's okay for volunteers to, uh, to get into anecdotal situations. As professional lobbyists, we try to minimize that 
but you know if you're you know a constituent and you're saying here's what happened to me here's what this proposal would do for me or to me uh, those are important things to share and, and you know real life examples are great i was working on an issue uh, last session and I went to see uh, a House member who I've known for a long time and I'm very friendly with. And it was an issue for the engineers. And I was, was saying to him, well, you know, here's what this would do. He says, John, I already talked to an engineer in my district. Uh, he's a guy I trust. And whenever an engineering issue comes up, I call him. Those are the kind of relationships you want to have. And you can only form them by communicating with uh, them on, a, on more than once in a blue moon uh, basis. You've really got to you know, stay in touch with them. Uh, if you're able uh, to attend local events that they have, I think that's important too. But as far as in do's and don'ts, it, it's common sense in the uh, respect that you want to be polite, professional, knowledgeable. Uh, you know, I can tell you, and, and, and John, you've been on the Hill too, you know, there are times in meetings where you get frustrated uh, and you want to call the, you know, the guy a jerk and storm out. That doesn't really work very well because chances are next month you're going to be back in talking to the same person. And you don't want to start the conversation with, well, you know what I called you last month. Forget that. Now I want to talk to you about a different issue. So even if they don't just even if they don't agree with you, you you've got to be polite and professional. So, John, I mean, what I'm hearing from you is relationships matter, obviously. And then obviously, you know, utilizing someone that has the skills and, and the ability to navigate the halls of uh, halls of Harrisburg or even um, D.C., uh, are there some 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 additional things that you could that you could share with our listeners in terms of preparing for those types of meetings? Like, is there anything like a, a brief or even um, you know articles or anything like that that would be helpful? Yeah, and and your association typically will give you some uh, what I refer to as leave behind pieces, uh, short to the point, uh, but. It, uh, other preparation, uh, I think it's number one, do make an appointment. Uh, when I first started in this business, uh, you know, a lot of us were just, you know, we could go up to the Capitol and, and stop in and you'd be able to, to see a House member or a Senate member if you, you know, caught them at the right time. It's a lot different today. They're busier, they rely more on their staff, um, and there's just much more going on. So make an appointment. Uh, make sure you make an appointment with the right person. <laughs> you checked out who your legislator is. That's a lot easier to do nowadays. You can just get online and visit the state general assembly site, put your address in, and it'll show you who uh, your senator and your representative and congressman and all that are. And, and then, uh, just like anything else in the business world or academia, you go over your material before you get there. Uh, and it sounds maybe too elementary to uh, mention that, but I think it's important. I've been to a lot of meetings where people show up, and uh, I swear the first time they looked at the materials is you know when everybody you know, opens their laptop or opens their board book or whatever it is. I have to say with that, that that's why I'm, I have no hair. Like <laughs> that is the most frustrating thing. Um, talking with clients and saying, okay, here we're, we're going to, this is what we want to talk about. And then when you get in there, you're like, oh, it's evident, you know, cause the other thing too, to you, you both know this, you know, the, the aspect of this is you're putting your reputation and your relationships on the line when you bring in somebody for the first time and I think a lot of people don't quite get that. You know, like it's one thing to call up John Warner and John O'Brien and say, hey, can I speak with so-and-so? And, -so? and th there's a reason that there's a relationship there. So I, I, I like what you said there. You know, you definitely have to prepare and, and, and make valuable use of the time. Absolutely. One of the big differences uh, in trying to get volunteers involved today 
uh, is some of the grassroots systems that are available. They're online tools, really. Uh, when I first started, uh, you know, we had the same goal, but we were using things like uh, you know, phone trees where you'd have one member call another. I mean, we had a box with index cards. Uh, it, it was really the Stone Age compared to today, where through some of these online services, you, you can get your issues up on the association's website uh, and not only um, give them the information, but you know, you do one click, you know, the individual puts in their address. It not only tells them who their legislators are, but it can give them the background information on the issues and sample letters that with another click they can send or edit and send. And then we get to track it too. I get reports on that when, when uh, people use our system uh, so that we know which legislators have been contacted and how many contacts they've had uh, on each different issue too. So uh, giant step forward, grassroots has always been a big part of lobbying, uh, getting your members involved, you know, the grassroots aspect. And, uh, you know, it's, it's particularly important. Um, there are different things that influence legislators, and we could talk about political action donations and media and stuff like that. But uh, one of the things that just about every group can do is, is get their members involved. And it is just as effective if it's done well. It's, it's kind of difficult, too, when members get involved. Because <laughs> a lot of, you know, a lot of contractors are type A, and they want... When they send a letter, they expect a lot of change like next week or whatever. <laughs> so, uh, you know, as far as advice to to members and, and contractors, how do you how do you walk that line and just kind of limit their expectations? And well, I, I think it's a great it's a great question and point to make, John. Um, first of all, when you're using grassroots, you, you have to keep it relatively straightforward of what you're asking them to do. Um, it's a smaller percentage that are going to act at all, uh, and then you know an even smaller percentage beyond that that are really going to dive into the issue. So uh, you know when we're suggesting actions, it's usually for the bill, against the bill. You, you might get a little bit more detailed. On the Hill, in my world, it's much more nuanced. I mean, th there might be amendments. You might be not asking for a vote yes or no. You might be asking for a bill to be held or for a hearing to be held. Um, you know, more complicated things about revert to prior printers, or if it's an appropriation issue, you might be asking rank and file legislators to talk to their leadership because that's kind of a different process. So, um, you know, the, the communication to the member has got to be, you know, pretty simple and straightforward. Uh, the timing, um, I, my philosophy is uh, even with the, the ability to do things quickly now with these online tools, where you can turn things around quickly. You, you want to start early, get it out there early, make sure there's letters in the legislators files about who's for or against a bill. And then as you approach a critical point where maybe there's going to be a, a vote in the committee or on the floor, you know, then you renew it uh, and, and remind them. And, you know, some will do it again. Others maybe will do it for the first time. But that's, you know, you can't have too high an expectation uh, of them turning things around on a dime. It's just not the way people work. Yeah, I was just going to say, I would imagine too, part of for both of you, you know, part of your responsibility or your job is to help them, is to help folks understand the process as well. Which means, you know, recognizing that this isn't going to turn on a dime, and you know, there there is a process that that you both have to go through. But then, more importantly, there's a process that the elected officials have to go through as well. And so, could you elaborate on that a little bit? 
Yeah. And the first thing I usually have to do is, you know, for folks that think they understand the process, they're usually thinking of the federal process. You know, that's what we all studied in high school civics. Uh, and maybe when they're watching TV, you know, they, they get the idea of how things work down there. It's different in Pennsylvania. Uh, and just to make it more complicated, you know, the rules of the House are different than the rules in the Senate. You know, the House can amend on second consideration, uh, but not third. The Senate will can amend first, second or third. And they have a process that, um, you know, can be pretty complex. I, I think to boil it down, uh, you've got to give uh, members an expectation that it is a long process. John has already alluded to it. You know, there's a bill that's, you know, it has to get introduced and it gets assigned to a committee. Uh, if it gets reported out of committee, it's going to go to the floor, but then it's going to go through the appropriations committee in all likelihood and then get reported back out. Uh, it could get a second committee assignment. So, uh, and, and how it all happens and the timing of all, all of it is a little bit different from chamber to chamber. I, I would tell you one of the things that is the hardest to control uh, is when things happen. Uh, you know, the, everybody wants their bill run tomorrow. And, uh, you know, or next week or next month. But uh, those are the those are the kind of decisions uh, that leadership makes. And it's one of the reasons that leadership is so important when you're dealing with uh, legislative affairs. So, uh, yeah, it, it's just uh, pretty complex. And, and I try not to drag the members through all the details unless it's you know maybe the legislative committee where they have a higher tolerance for that. Have you noticed a uh, change amongst members and you know contractors over the past? 10, 20 years, especially the past five years, with it just seems like social media, everyone's so vocal and everyone has opinions on everything. And have you seen a difference at all? Or I can't tell you that honestly, I have. Um, you know, the hard part about government relations, and I think this goes across all associations, is it, you know, most people belong to their associations for reasons other than government relations. Uh, the ones that are interested in it can be very interested in it. Uh, but you're still wor working with a fraction, um, you know, and I'd love to say it's 10 percent, but it's, it's probably less than that. And so uh, everybody cares about the outcome. But uh, there's a lot of folks where, you know, they think about politics and, and it has obviously gotten more partisan and, uh, you know, a lot more angst between the parties and differences in recent years. And a lot of times it just turns more more people off from, you know, our membership that really want to get involved because, you know, maybe they've had enough of it just, you know, reading the uh, the news. I can't say that our folks have changed that much over the years. Uh, there is a definite uh, change in the type of individuals that are serving in the House and the Senate nowadays, and they, they tend to be more uh, to the uh, far edge of their party's philosophy. So the moderates and the folks in the middle are a lot fewer than they used to be. And whether you're talking about Democrats or Republicans, they've been pushed out to the fringes for a variety of reasons. For sure. Yep. I'm seeing that a lot, too. So, And I mean, the reasons are, you know, it's not just, uh, you know, people talk about uh, redistricting and gerrymandering. Uh, and that actually goes on for both sides. And, and so whether it be Democrats or Republicans, you know, when they create safe seats for incumbents, uh, they tend to be working towards the, the fringes of the party. So after a while, uh, legislators aren't worried about a, a challenge in the fall in the general election. They're worried about a challenge in the primary, and that's always going to come from their Democrat from their left, their Republican from their right. So uh, 
you know, that's part of it. I think the media is part of it as well, too, frankly. Um, more and more media outlets uh, seem to be weighing in with their personal opinions, uh, and it, it permeates even, you know, the quote news story. Exactly. To take that even further, I, I even see that permeating into the local government as well. Um, you know, so it's it it it's not just at the state and federal level, as you as you both know, but the the media impact as as a house uh, plays on the local government has a big impact too. So absolutely, yeah. You are listening to John Warner of Warner and Associates today, and he's joined us on the Building PA podcast. And uh, John, I, I just have another question. You know, what are some of the biggest obstacles that you see moving forward for the lobbying or legislative uh, management industry within, within, our, within the construction industry as a whole? I'd like to tell you that I think change is in the wind because it, it's most likely needed, uh, but it, it probably isn't. <laughs> you know, there's, there's always uh, a big to do when somebody introduces legislation to, you know, change the lobbying law or maybe the campaign finance law, that sort of thing. Uh, and they never seem to go anywhere. Uh, and, and to be frank, uh, it's not because of the lobbying community doesn't want it. It's, it's you know, the legislators themselves are uh, often loath to change any part of the system that helped get them elected. Mm -hmm. you know, refer to it as a winner's club, everybody up there won, uh, and they won under the, the current system. And so changing the current system isn't uh, high on their list. There are issues that are talked about. Maybe they'll do something about it. There, there's Here in Pennsylvania, uh, there's no prohibition from serving as a lobbyist and a campaign consultant. Uh, that's been in the media uh, that you know they'd like to change that. Some people would like to change it anyway. I don't know if it'll happen. Um, and there's there's reporting requirements in terms of uh, you know when you have to report gifts or entertainment uh, if you you know if you're taking a legislator out to dinner or, or giving them something else of value uh, limits are pretty uh, you know high in Pennsylvania if it doesn't exceed two hundred fifty dollars you don't have to report a name of who you gave it to uh, and you know there's talk about you know moving that so current governor uh, Governor Wolf doesn't allow his uh, anybody working in the administration to accept anything yeah <laughs> um, which, which is you know my opinion a, a little bit absurd i mean i remember talking to the previous secretary of education he couldn't take a t-shirt that a classroom of six uh, sixth graders gave him because of the prohibition <laughs> you know or, or a retiring guy from PennDOT couldn't accept a plaque so there's a there's a balance there um but right now the the, uh, the 250 uh in a calendar year is pretty uh pretty high compared to many other states. But do I think any of it's changing? Probably not. Not anytime soon, at least. I think I got one better for you. So we had three members of governors of the governor's office at a meeting, and we offered them bottles, bottles of bottled water, and they denied bottled water and said they can't accept any gifts at all. <laughs> um, we've had, we've had uh, folks in that situation, uh, you know, ask us how much a group lunch costs per person and then pay us the value. And hey, they're doing their job and they're, they're following the rules. Yeah. I think there's an opportunity to do something de minimis, uh, but I don't expect this administration is going to change their policy in the last uh, what year and a half now. That's true. Two years. That's amazing. You're dying of thirst over here, but I can't. Yeah. <laughs> amazing. Well, John, I want to say thank you for joining us today, and uh, hopefully we will, you know, 
this could be an ongoing uh, conversation where we talk about upcoming uh, legislative issues and challenges facing the industry and sure. continue the conversation. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, I'd love to do that, guys. Um, and uh, yeah, there's always issues, believe me. John and I talk about them all the time offline. And we're even uh, aligned on some issues. And some of them, yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's no fighting, no fighting. Yes. Well, John, thank you again and uh, look forward to the next conversation. Thank you, Chris. Thanks, John. Thank you for joining the Building PA podcast presented by PJ Dick. To stay up to date, follow us on LinkedIn and Facebook and visit buildingpapodcast.com to subscribe to upcoming shows. Thanks for listening.